it's funny how the Lord works in mysterious ways that we would kind of be going through the book of Hebrews, and on Father's Day, we come to a portion of Scripture that talks specifically about our Heavenly Father. It's awesome. So here's just a couple of Father's Day thoughts as I was preparing the message. Maybe some things that dads have thought and children have thought about dad, and I just want to share a few with you. Um, a father was thinking one day, he said, just once on Father's Day, I wish my kids would give me a number one dad mug instead of one that actually has my ranking. A daughter once said about her father, happy, uh, happy Father's Day, Dad. I wouldn't trade you for anything. Of course, nobody offered me anything. <laughs> for Father's Day, we got my dad a t-shirt that says, do not resuscitate. He wears it when he goes with my mother to the ballet. <laughs> At the very least, Father's Day should mean unlimited channel surfing. I like that one. Enjoy Father's Day. It's a time when I pause to reflect on the joy that has come into my life, thanks to my two wonderful children, whose names escape me at the moment. <laughs> For Father's Day, I just want a big box of saturated fats. <laughs> I would give my dad what he really wants on Father's Day, but I can't afford to move out yet. I've never been totally sold on the concept of Father's Day. For one thing, it was officially declared a national holiday by Richard Nixon, so it might not even be legal. <laughs> Is that cold? <laughs> <There's> <laughs> on Father's Day, I'm doing something my dad, I'm, I'm doing something for my dad that he's wanted for years. I'm getting a job. Maybe Darth Vader was just mad because he never got a world's best dad t-shirt or coffee mug on Father's Day. You're not my father. When I was a boy of 14, my father was so ignorant, I could hardly stand to have the old man around. But when I got to be 21, I was astonished how much the old man had learned in seven years. That's Mark Twain. Dad, final one, Dad, I'm so proud of the many talents I've inherited from you. <laughs> Happy Father's Day. When we look at Father's Day cards, we see two general types, the classic variety, some general thanks, an inspirational poem, you know, some, something saying, you know, Dad, I'm so proud that you've made me who I am today, all that kind of stuff. And then there's the other ones, like the t-shirt one, do not resuscitate, you know, or yeah. You got the other side, which is a card of maybe just poking fun at Dad. I don't think I've ever seen a card, or ever received a card, or ever gave a card that talked about being happy that my father disciplined me. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning, the discipline of a father. And for some of us, that begins to put in our memories, especially those of you who are old school, had old school parents, whippings, and, you know, groundings, and, you know, uh, maybe for some of us, even beatings, you know. Yeah, that's kind of a felt, what it maybe felt like. But back then, back in the days, back in the 50s and the 60s, discipline was discipline. It was corporal punishment for the most part in most cultures. Now, I'm not going to give a stance on whether that's right or wrong. It just was. And that's what I'm talking about today. Now we're hearing from Scripture in Hebrews. These are people that are going through persecution. These are people that are having a hard time 
And the writer of Hebrews is going to set them straight just a little bit. Because they're complaining. They're leaving the faith. They're saying, let's go back to the old ways. And if we go back to the old ways, then people won't mess with us. People won't bother us. We won't be a thorn in the flesh of society. And this discipline won't come upon us. Let's just be good little boys and girls. And let's go back to the old way of doing church. The problem is, Jesus came and not only fulfilled the old ways, but created a new way. And he wants us to live in the new way, which is in a relationship with him, not through rules and regs, but through love, through obedience, through sacrifice, through making his life, his world, his kingdom the most important thing in our life. And everything will flow from that. The problem with that is, <laughs> Jesus said, in this world, because of me, you will have tribulation. That's a big word for problems. Bigger than problems. Sometimes people killing you, people mistreating you. As Paul People stoning you, beating you, leaving you for dead, throwing you down in the deepest pits of a prison for no reason whatsoever but because you're a minister of Jesus Christ, that you believe in Christ. There's people losing their heads in the world right now because they will not renounce their belief in Jesus Christ. Okay? Sorry to get so sobering so fast. You know? But this is the truth. And as fathers today, we have to go back and remember that discipline was given for a reason. For those of you who are fathers in the room today, you gave discipline to your children for a reason. And let's look at that today. Tom Landry, the, the legendary coach of the Cowboys, said this, the job of a coach is to make men do what they do not want to do in order that they can be what they've always wanted to be champions. Discipline is for a reason. And we have a heavenly father that says discipline will benefit us. Discipline will help us. If you have an undisciplined child, okay, those of you who've had children, if you have a undisciplined child, what do you expect is going to happen to that child? Interactive church now. They're going to run all over you. They're going to what? They're going to create trouble. Yeah, you're not going to get invited over for dinner because they don't know how to cook dinner. What? What's happening over here? You'll have a prodigal son. Hopefully they come back. Yeah. But if they don't, if they're undisciplined, then they won't be a disciplined employee. If they get married, they won't be a disciplined husband. They won't be a disciplined father. And if you think they were bad, wait till your grandchildren come along. Get some amens in the group already. So let's begin. Starting, we ended up in verse 4 last time, so let's start there. You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood in your striving against sin. 
And you have forgotten the exhortation which was addressed to you as sons. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved by him. For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines, and he scourges every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom the father does not discipline? Parents to children. Children are to be disciplined. Now, the question that is given there in verse 7 is what child doesn't need it? What child, what child, anybody have, and, and here's, you know, moms, keep your hands down. Dads? Dads? How many of you have perfect children? Got one dad in the room. Okay, your husband. Proud dad, very nice. So what you're telling me, Frank, <laughs> is, 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 yeah, you can kick me. You never had to discipline either one of your children. <laughs> or either three, I'm sorry, either three of your children. So then they were perfect. Because discipline means you're, you're doing something to get rid of the imperfection that is in them. That's what discipline does. They're going off target. We, as our Heavenly Father, go off target. If He didn't love you, if He didn't hope in you, if He didn't have a future for you, He would let you go. Go ahead. Go with your sin. Go. I don't care. He would be that kind of a God. But He's not. He disciplines His sons and daughters. He reels them back in. He says, I have a hope and a future for you. And if you go down this road, you will not do the hope and the future I have for you. And part of that hope and part of that future for you is that you reside in heaven with him. I don't know about you. I, I, have, a, I have a couple of families that I, that, I, that I work for, meaning in my architecture business, that they actually have compounds. They're wealthy, and they have a lot of land, and they've got three or four houses. Guess what they do? They build a house, they put their son or daughter in it. It's their house. Because they want them close. Because they want their family to be together. Their kids love them. They love their kids. They want them around. And so they create these compounds. And next thing you know, you've got, okay, every, every brother, every sister, they all got their own little house, and now the grandkids are all there. And guess what? Grandma and Grandpa are over the moon happy because they're with their kids who love them and, and are disciplined and have been disciplined in order for them to receive the reward. Do you give rewards to undisciplined children? Not if you're a smart parent, you don't. Because what happens if you do? You spoil them. Yeah, you're going to even get less discipline. That's right. And, and you're rewarding bad behavior. Behavior that is not in your family tradition or what you would hope for as a Christian young woman or young man. Because you know. You know already. You've been there. You've done that. And you know the example 
You know what will happen. You know the consequences. They don't. They think they do, but they don't. Right? Don't you think your Heavenly Father knows better for you? Don't you think he's been there, done that? He's been there, done that, before the been there and done that has actually been and done. I sound like the Apostle Paul there for a minute. Proverbs 29.15 says, The rod of correction imparts wisdom, but a child left to himself disgraces his mother and shames, I would add, his father. He talks in verse 8 about something even more tragic. He says, But if you are without discipline, of which you have become partakers, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. We all know what an illegitimate child is, a child born out of wedlock. Okay? There's no covenant, there's no commitment, and that child is really not loved as it should. You can be an extraordinary parent and love an illegitimate child. I understand that. There's many people that do. But for the most part, when this was written, back in the day, if you had an illegitimate child, that child was considered an orphan. Not to be loved. No rights. No parentage. Nothing. No blessing. No gift. Okay? It's not how it is today. I'm talking about then, when this was written. That's the way the culture was. So if you're an illegitimate child, you're like a non you're person non grata. You don't, you, don't, you don't deserve anything. And so the, the writer of Hebrews is trying to get the people to understand if you are undisciplined or don't allow the discipline of the Lord in your life, you're like a person non grata to God. So we have to receive that discipline. Verse 9 continues on. Furthermore, we had earthly fathers to discipline us, and we respected them. Shall we not much rather be subject to the Father of spirits and live? I don't know about you. My dad was a disciplinarian. My dad had rules and regs to fit into a box. And anything outside of that was either needed to be disciplined, needed to be railed in, you know, all that kind of stuff. And he did discipline. I mean, if, if I went too far with mom, when dad got home, I got it. And my dad was kind of this guy that made you feel it coming. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It was the 60s. And my dad, I don't know where this came from, but my dad felt like he was like some sort of a beatnik kind of dude. So he wore this leather belt with the three prongs. And it had some beach scene on it. To this day, every time I see those down at Huntington Beach, my, my back end starts to hurt. And he would take that off, and I hear this whoop. And then he would fold it in half and grab the end and start going spack, spack, with every, with every step he took coming close to the bedroom. And then, I don't know, later on in life, I, I, he learned how to do double spack. Oh, he's really pissed now. And I'd be in the bed, you know, with pillows, trying to shove them down in there, you know. Because I knew I was going to get it. Because I went over the line with mom during the day. Or I did something really bad with my friends and got busted. Okay? So but I got disciplined. I quit doing very bad things with my friends. I quit talking back to my mother. When mom said, take out the trash, 
I took out the trash. Right then and there, I didn't wait because I knew I'd forget because I forgot one time. It cost me six months of freedom. Six months. Couldn't go out. I know, it sounds harsh. Me being such a wonderful child that I was would be persecuted in such a way. Never, if my mom said something, it was done. Son, paint the house. Yes, ma'am. You know. so, so discipline molds you. If you're not disciplined, you're illegitimate. You're not true sons. He continues on and says that we must respect the fathers who disciplined us. Even though my dad was a disciplinarian, I respected him. Why? few things. One, he was a great provider. He was a great provider. We had to earn our stuff, which then made us value our stuff. When you give children stuff that is not earned, they don't value it, and they destroy it like that. And then they just leave it. But when they have to earn it, and it becomes theirs, and they own it, they take care of it better. That's what children do. Same thing with us and your salvation. Not that you had to work for it, but you need to own it. It's yours. Jesus offered it freely, but you had to do the work of faith. You had to believe. You had to believe that his way was the way, and it's now your way. And you grab hold of it, and you own it, and you become sons and daughters of the Most High God. And because of that, you will be disciplined. But do you respect the one who disciplines you? We should. Because one of two things happen, and there's another verse that talks about children. Uh, when it talks about fathers, do not exacerbate your children. Don't just beat them for whatever reason. Okay? That's the other end of the spectrum. Fathers, we need to be careful that we don't become so much a disciplinarian that our kids feel like we don't love them. No, they have to go. Somehow we need to meld those two where love causes discipline, but discipline isn't overshadowed. It makes more than what the love is. Ephesians 6, 1-3 says, Children, obey your parents as unto the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. I love the promise. Nobody ever talks about the promise. They just say, hey, obey, 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 obey. Okay? Yeah, for us guys, us dads, we like that. Yeah, obey. What I say goes. What I say rules. That was my dad, okay? But I wish the other part would have come in. That it may, what, go well with you and that you may enjoy a long life on this earth. Ha! How many of you want it to go well with you? Go well with your family? Of course we do. We want the good stuff. We want the reward. But look what you have to do to get the reward. You have to honor. Do you honor your heavenly father? Do you do what he says? Or is he walking around the house of your heart asking you to do stuff and you're like, no! You turn it into a two-year-old with God. I'm too busy playing right now. No, I don't want to do that. That's the truth. That happens. That happens in our heart. God's telling us to do this or he's telling us to stop something. 
I don't know if you have brothers and sisters. I did. I had a sister. And we used to beat on each other. I mean, out of nowhere. It was like guerrilla warfare at our house. You never knew when someone was going to come out of a closet or jump over a thing because they were just trying to get, get one up on you from the, from the last time. And it was quick. It was like boom, 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 and you're out. You lock yourself in your room so you can't get, you know, retaliation. All right? I know. We sound, some of you look at me like, you got a psycho family. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I knew you knew that. So, so that would happen. <laughs> and the thing is, is that then the discipline would come on top of that. Then mom would say, stop doing that. But we couldn't stop because we hadn't gotten our full retribution yet. She'd say, stop it, stop it, stop it. we go, okay, mom. <laughs> you know, stop it. Okay, mom. You know, we'd say okay, but we would not stop the behavior. Obedience means you say okay and you stop the behavior. And God is talking to us as a father to discipline us. Because ultimately, if we keep talking to him and keep doing other behavior, he will discipline you to do the right behavior. Our fathers in verse 10 said they did the best discipline that they could. For they disciplined us for a short time as seemed best to them. But he, meaning God, disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. I was praying that on the way into church today. I said, Lord, that I would be holy as you are holy today. That my thoughts would be your thoughts today. That my actions would be your actions today. You know, I should be praying that every morning. You know? But then acting upon it. But how do I get to be holy? How do I get to have that holiness? Did you notice the connection? It's through discipline. It's through him whacking out of my life the sin. Whacking out of my life. Grounding me. Doing what he thinks. You know, I don't know how God... Well, I do know how God disciplines. And it's not like go sit in a corner discipline. Sometimes he thinks he takes away the things that caused us to sin, which is a good thing. But our flesh wants it. And, and, and there's a causality that happens with that. Now, how about God the Father to his children? In verse 7, he talked about for us to endure hardship as discipline because God's treating us as a son. 1 John 3, 1 says, How great is the love the Father has lavished upon us that we should be called children of God. How great the love that he's lavished on you. You're children of the Most High God. I feel a little sorry for you because you're not his favorite like I am. I'm sorry. That's just the way it is. You need to take that up with him, but that, he actually told me that. He did. He did. He said, he said, I will send my only begotten son for you. And if that's not his favorite, I don't know what is. But do you wear that? Do you wear it? All of us should be his firstborn. Not the second, the third, the fourth, the fifth, whatever you are on your family chain. 
I was talking to somebody yesterday, and I was telling them a little bit about my history, and I, and I, they were they were asking, so you're you you you're a leader and all that, so you you must have been the firstborn. I said, really, no, I'm actually, I'm actually the middle child of my of my parents. Firstborn may only live for four days. So I have a brother, with whom I'll see in heaven one day, and he'll whack me upside the head and say, what the heck is wrong with you? As a good brother would probably do. But I'm actually a middle child. And there's that whole middle child syndrome, right? right? But I have worked to not fall into that syndrome because I really wasn't, I didn't get, get brought up that way because I was the oldest. And then my sister is the youngest. So we went from the oldest to the youngest, no middle. So why I bring that up, I have no idea. But, but how great the love that is lavished upon us. I think I was probably loved more by my mother because she lost my brother, that that kind of got over-transferred onto me an over-lavished, a lavish kind of love because I survived. And in the same way, God lavishes us with his love. He just, he just loves you. And yes, because he loves you, he will discipline you. But that doesn't, that doesn't make his love any less. I knew my mom loved me even though I was getting hit by a heat-seeking chancla. I knew it. <laughs> Dude, you don't even know. Hispanic moms, they get this thing called a chancla, it's a, it's, and, and they throw that thing, and it goes around doors, through windows, <laughs> under beds. It finds you. And then it comes back to their foot. I don't know how that happens. It's, But even though she disciplined me, I knew she loved me. And it was painful for her to do that. She wasn't laughing. She wasn't smiling when she did that. She was, it was hurting her because of her love for me. And our Father is like that. First, uh, 1 John 12 13, and 13 says this, Yet all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, but, or a husband's will, but born of God, according to God's will. You are here today because God wanted you. He wanted you to be born again. Because we're born again by spirit, by Him. It's a different DNA. And He wanted you. But also in Revelation 3.19, it says, Those whom I love, God speaking, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest. And I am. I was waiting for that one to simmer. And repent. Don't keep doing wrong things according to God. Do the right thing. Be obedient to his word. Do his word. Be his word. Because there's no one else in the planet that can be his word like you can be his word. We are all individuals in the kingdom, but we are all one in the kingdom as well. It's, it's a weird dichotomy. But it's the same way that we have with the Godhead. There's God our Father, the creator of all things, who's over all things. There's Jesus, his son, whom all authority has been given. So he's on, he now has the authority to rule over all things, but he's not the creator. God's the creator. He's the son. And then we have the Holy Spirit who indwells us 
to know the will of God, to know the word of God, to be reminded of the things of God so that we can walk in the ways of God. But he's not the creator. But they all are one, even though they're distinct. And in the same way, we need to have that as well. Be one together in him, but yet distinct in our role. We must respect our father and we must submit to our father because then it will go well with us. And understand this, God's discipline is perfect. It's perfect. There's some of us that are going through discipline right now for whatever reason. If we understand that God is doing it, if we understand that it's not according to our circumstances, whatever, God is bringing us through something, and it's hard. It's hard right now. But God's discipline through that will yield a reward that you will not have gotten unless you went through it. It will, it will yield a way of being after the fact that you were not before the fact. God put me in youth ministry to get over my own youth. To be a guy who would be the guy I wish I had when I was going through my issues in, in, in junior high and high school. And I was able to minister to those who were going through the same things I was going through and God broke some things in my life so that I could be that guy to them. So I didn't have to repeat the pattern that I had back then so I could be a different guy. I don't know if that makes sense to you right now. If I was the guy that I was back in high school, Cindy can attest to it, I'd be cussing you out right now. I'd be putting you down so that I could feel better about myself. I would use my superior intellect to take over the world. What do we do every day? And we need to understand this too. In verse 8 it tells us that everyone undergoes discipline. Everyone who's called his child undergoes discipline. You know why? Yes, because he loves us, but you also know why? All of us have sinned and gone our own way. All of us fall short. All of us think we know what's up. All of us think we know more than God. All of us turn into teenagers in the house of God at one point, and we rebel. All of us do, each and every one of you. There's not one of you. Otherwise, we wouldn't need Jesus to come and save us. But all of you, there's no perfect child. You're close. Yeah, you're, yeah. But you did have that one thing. Yeah. I won't tell you if he did it. No, that's not. <laughs> we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We're all undisciplined. And so the Father has to discipline us. Why? So he can make us into Lucas. <laughs> he 
He wants to make us perfect. And guess what? In Him you are perfect. Because He is perfect. We are His righteousness. And He is ours. But we have to live differently. We have to allow Him to do that. Now there's many ways to view life here as a Christian. We can look at these verses and we can look at this. And some view Christianity as a, as a cruise ship. That everything you want should be supplied by God. You want to go have a steak at 3 o'clock in the morning? Yes, just go up into the lounge up there. They'll cook you up a steak at 3 o'clock in the morning. Some of you on cruise ships, they're like, really? Yes, they do that. You know? You want to go swimming? Go swimming. You want to go down? You want to go climb the, 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 the rock wall? Go climb the rock wall. You know? They have outdoor movies at night, blah, blah, blah. You, you, everything you want is there. Any, any food, any drink, anything you want, it's always there. It's always available. Just go get it. Well, life is not like that. You're going to be disappointed if you think Christianity is like that. That your heavenly father is actually Santa Claus. And he brings you good things. Some of you view Christianity as boot camp, basic training. That all you get is peanut butter, sometimes jelly on Saturday, if you're really good. And all you got to do is push-ups, and you got to hold sand up, and you got to run with boots on, and 25-pound packs, and 50-pound packs, and you got to go through the, you know, discipline, and people are going to be yelling at you and screaming at you, and God's like a drill sergeant to make you into a soldier for him. That's a, that's a harsh way. That's going to, I don't think, uh, I don't think God wants it to be that hard. As we look at these verses, we need to think of the way life was for these people. And maybe we need to look at how we were back in our teen years. Is that when I look at my father and my mother, how they disciplined me through my teen years, is they softened yet hardened. They softened in the fact where I was no longer being you know, hit with a belt because they knew I could make a phone call. <laughs> Threats go both ways. <laughs> Yeah, but they would change it up to where, okay, you're 16, you're 17, guess what? What, Dad? Well, because you didn't do this, whatever, you can't use the car. What? That's my life. You can't go out Saturday night. What? Oh, by the way, I'm not going to give you your allowance this week. What? I'm 25 cents short. Oh, you're going to do more sports. Or you're going to, they change the discipline up to where, in fact, it actually hurt more <laughs> than actually the spanking did. We don't endure these things without feeling or compassion. No one disciplines seems pleasant at the time. Verse 11. All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. Yet those who have been trained by it, afterwards it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Yes, it's not pleasant. Yes, it's not good. We don't feel it's good when God disciplines us. Yes, it's hard. Yes, we, we wish something else would happen. But it will yield the peaceful fruit of righteousness. You guys know what that is? You will no longer be in turmoil. You know when you're breaking the law, you're always looking over your shoulder? 
You know that you look at your rearview mirror when you're speeding more than when you're not? And you look more at the sides of the, of the highway than you look at what's in front of you on the highway. Did you know that? When you're on your way home today and you're speeding, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> you know why? Because you know you're breaking the law and you're looking for the law. And the law isn't in front of you. They're usually behind you, sneaking up on you, or they're on the sides waiting for you. And you're not paying attention with what's in front of you. When you're doing the speed limit, when you're doing what is right, you don't worry about that stuff. Yeah, you check every now and then just to let you, that you're supposed to do. That's what the driver's manual says you do. And you've got your hands at 10 and 20. No. <laughs> 10 and 2. I'm always wondering why I'm on the shoulder. Now I know why. <laughs> 10 and 2. 10 and 20. And, 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 you're, and, you're, and you're just, you're driving. You're not worried about the speed because you're doing the speed limit. You're not worried about a cop. Cop comes up behind you. You're not freaking out unless your tail light is out. But you're, you're fine. What do you have to worry about? I got followed by a police officer <laughs> for like two miles. I was doing absolutely nothing wrong. I was in my Lincoln. I was driving through Covina. I was doing actually, it was a CHP. They actually got off the freeway and followed me, so I knew they were following me. I wasn't worried. I was doing the speed limit. I was, I was 10 and 20. <laughs> That's why. Yeah. And then he lit me up. I'm like, I'm racking my brain going, I know I wasn't speeding. I was doing the speed limit. I had the 10 and 2 going on. Yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't like, you know. <laughs> And I was thinking, well, I'm kind of in Covina, so maybe I'm, you know, driving while Mexican. I don't know. <laughs> hey, I think those things. Sorry. I pull over. I pull over, and it's, and it's, and it's, uh, it's Lieutenant Gonzalez, whom I'm mentoring at the time to be a chaplain. <laughs> and he's cracking up. He's in his big Hawaiian shirt. And he's telling the guy next to him, the actual CHP officer, that he's training, you know, give this guy the, the whole thing, you know. Driver, put your hands out of the car. I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> With your right hand, please, open the door. Yeah, it was hilarious. And then I, I saw him, he's cracking up laughing. I'm like. <laughs> so I do the thing, I start walking backwards. <laughs> They're not even asking me to do that at that point. I'm just doing it. <laughs> finally, finally, the officer says, please get out of the street. Oh, okay. <laughs> but they recognized me. They followed me. And it was, you know, it was a friendship thing. It wasn't, it wasn't that. So, but I was, I was wondering. I was like, for the first time in my life, I'm actually doing things right and I get pulled over. <laughs> Romans 8.28 says this. And we know that in all things, God works for good to those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. Fathers, we discipline our children because we want the best for them. God disciplines us as children because he wants the best for you. And sometimes your crazy attitude and your whacked out way of doing stuff isn't for the kingdom. It's for you. And sometimes he has to discipline that out of us. As us fathers know, we have to discipline that sometimes out of our children. 
Not that you don't give them freedom. Not that you don't allow them to be who they really need to be. But there's some things that aren't going to help them in life. My dad, during the summer, would not let me sleep in, except on Saturday mornings. You know why? He was disciplining me to work. And so when I got old enough, I got a job where I had to get up during the summer at 6.30, 7 o'clock in the morning to be at work by 8. If I wouldn't have had that training ahead of time, guess what? I'd been late to work. Guess what? I would have got fired. Guess what? Now I'm going to ask Dad for money every week. Guess what? God, Dad's not going to give it. So then I go to mom. <laughs> no, she didn't. She would pull out of the little stash mom had. Here you go. I don't want you to go hungry. You have a heavenly father who loves you. And as we celebrate Father's Day today, I hope you understand that, that today of all days, that we should really enjoy our heavenly father. And if things aren't right with your dad, whether your dads are living or not living, I've forgiven my father for some of the stuff that didn't go right. But as I remember him today, I'm very thankful for him, for all the things that he taught me and disciplined me on, because it kept me from really going bad. He kept me from really going bad. And you have a father who wants to keep you from really going bad. In fact, he wants you to go good and be good. That's why he disciplines you. So in a moment, we're going to ask if, if you want prayer for that relationship with Jesus. Oscar's going to come on up, and he's going to pray with you and for you and, and call you out on that. But if there's anyone here that doesn't know the Lord, doesn't know God as your heavenly Father, that's you right now. I want to ask you to receive him into your heart. Because first of all, he loves you. And he doesn't want you not to be his child. He wants you to be his child. And the reason he wants you is because he sent his own child so that you can be his child. He made a way for you. But you have to accept that. You have to believe in that. And you need to ask him into your heart. If there's anyone here today, we'll rejoice because we're all his children. We'd love to have a new brother and sister in the house today. Is there anyone here that would like to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Just raise your hand so I can pray with you and for you. Anyone? We're all children already. Okay, if you're a child, raise your hand of God. Amen. Glad to hear that. Glad to see that. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much for this morning and your discipline that you give to us. It is because you love us that you discipline it. It is because you want the best for us that you begin to weed out the things that are going to cause us to fall, to cause us to walk away from the family name. So, Lord Jesus, I just pray right now that we would, first of all, forgive our earthly fathers for any wrong way of discipline they may be poured upon us, for maybe some wrong way of love that didn't come back as it should have, and not put that on you, our Heavenly Father, because your love is perfect, and so is your discipline, and so is your holiness, and so is your plan for us. For there is nothing you do that is a mistake. All that you do is perfect. So as we forgive our earthly fathers, Lord, may we also grab hold of the good things they poured into our life, the good character qualities they gave to us, 
the ways that they help mold us into being better people. And, Lord, that we would also give that same honor and glory to you. That we're thankful for you for molding us and making us better children for the kingdom, better witnesses, better followers, disciples of you, Lord Jesus. And help us to walk with you in obedience, but ultimately to love you, our Father who is in heaven. May we love you with all our heart, our mind, our soul, and our strength. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.